Hello and welcome back to another episode of Least Talk Forever, episode 39. Uh, sorry, wow, that's um, very bad of me. I think this is actually episode 19, not 39, um, of the season, season number two. We're back with uh, Spencer, who's my, uh, I'm Spencer, obviously, you know that, and Scott, uh, no Kyle this week. So uh, instead of doing no betting segment, I'll just be stepping in and just listen some hopefully some easy picks for you guys uh not as in-depth Kyle, of course but uh something there um Toronto comes back in a nice victory uh in a in a super super nice game i should say against the Florida panthers on monday night tuesday night tuesday night um and yeah. uh yeah that's gonna spark a little bit of a conversation tonight uh, for so we've got a few topics to touch on and then a couple more deep conversations we're going to touch on uh, Morgan Riley the Ivan Provorov controversy um, as well as a few other things uh, we got the, the week ahead the bang segment and then we'll close it off and we will watch the Toronto Winnipeg game because now in this last two weeks we've got solid hockey against uh, I mean Toronto Montreal on Saturday but uh, against playoff teams or on the cusp of playoff teams which is nice to see uh, so I will hand it over to Scott for the first discussion point Let's go. Yeah. So the first thing that we wanted to, I mean, briefly, because other stuff we want to talk in a little bit more in depth about is uh, that Austin Matthews seems to be returning back to form um, since he's come back missing those two games with uh, potential injury slash illness. Uh, his shot seems to be coming back. I noticed even some people on Twitter were saying that it seemed like his shot was a bit off, maybe a nagging wrist injury that's been or a nagging wrist injury that returned from similar to what he had last season. Uh, but yeah, I thought that since he's come back the last two games, I thought he's been stepping up more offensively with shooting in, in regards to shooting anyway. Um, and it's nice to see that because everybody knows that he could be a 50, 60 or more goal scorer if he, if he's healthy and, and is actually uh, playing his game. Yeah, I definitely uh, thought it was interesting how like a lot of people are saying that it could have been a nagging injury, and that's why he could have had a, a slow start to the year, and then he comes back after a few games of rest, and he really starts stepping it up. Uh, I definitely thought that was interesting, but I guess long-term we'll see. Hopefully he, if needing, uh, if he needs to, will sit on a few more games uh, closer to the end of the year to rest up for, I mean, obviously, playoffs because we were playing Tampa, and then probably if we can make a pass Tampa, inevitably Boston because Boston's a powerhouse right now. So, um, yeah. What do you think he's going to end with? And I, 40 goals? Is that 20? He has what? 23 now? right now. I 23, think so, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd probably say, yeah, 40, 45 in between there. Could, take like I said last week. week, like I said last week though, like I was looking it up because it was like beginning of January. And people were saying he like uh, even the commentators were like he's he's his slow start he's he's not at the pace he was on last year and I like I went and looked and then like checked the game per game of last year and beginning of January he was in and around the same goal total he had this year or I think this year he had like what fifteen and then last year he had like seventeen so he's he's on pace for what he was doing last year and then obviously the second half he stepped up and and scored at a an enormous rate, but I, I don't see him doing quite that this year. So yeah, I'll say 40 in between 40, 45. 
Uh, I would take that all, all day. Him at 45 and William Nylander are in 45. That's, uh, uh, I mean, truthfully, I think if, he, if Matthews goes 45 and William Nylander can step up from the 30, whatever it was, 38 goal range to 45, even maybe like four, 45 to 50 goals, uh, you just replaced Matthews 60 and brought on a little bit more for Nylander, which is nice to see. Um, yeah. Obviously not good for that contract discussion, but nice to see from a playing perspective. And with and, that, uh, let's transition right into while well, we're keeping. Oh, quick. sorry. Um, even the the goalie scored in Florida there, where you kind of like toe drag and pull the back short side over the goalie shoulder. Was that Florida? Uh, yeah. that was Boston. Oh, was it Boston? Yeah, Florida um, was on that back foot top shelf. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But so then the goal against Boston, it seemed like he's the, the two games off, whatever that was, four or five days, uh, really helped him in terms of whatever was his problem was because. Earlier in the season and leading up to the time off, he was trying those things, but he wasn't completing them, right? Whereas that time, he seemed like he was back yeah. to his old self. So hopefully he can keep it up. Yeah, he, he was like battling the puck in those situations before. So, Yeah. Uh, with that, though, let's transition right from Austin Matthews. We can still talk on him, but let's transition further down the road in that Florida game with with the goaltending. Obviously, trying off to a slow start. Matt Murray, four goals on eight shots. Uh, they pull in Samson off, and then he obviously steals the show and wins, what, uh, top 17 or 16 shots or whatever it was. Um, yeah. And then he ended up getting a shutout. Not that it counts as a shutout, but he didn't allow any goals. Um, what's your take on it? I mean, obviously, Tron Bow back, but let's talk about the whole game as a whole. Let's start with Matt Murray and Samson off, and then we'll go into the officiating and as, as well as the rough play and how Toronto uh, overcame that. I think. Uh the way the goalies are playing now is more along the lines of what everybody thought would happen. Like early season, Murray was playing great. Samsona was playing great. Then like end of December, like even up to like two weeks ago, they both kind of fizzled a bit and, and had a couple bad games each. But now it seems like Samsonov stepping it back up and Murray's slowly getting, uh, or keeping up with that, that slowness, that fizzling out where he's letting in more goals than he technically should which I think is what everybody expected to happen at the beginning of the year, is after a couple games, they realized Matt Murray isn't necessarily a true number one, so they'd switch to Samson off, and he would stand on his head. Uh, figuratively, obviously, maybe not stand on his head, like, dominate, but, like, play better than everybody expected him to. Um, and I feel like that's what's happening now, What Samson off seems to be playing above the level that everybody expects him to, and Murray's back to that level of he goes on a stretch of good games. He goes on a stretch of bad games. And he's overall has massive inconsistency depending on what time of the season it is. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I thought it was a little interesting. Apparently, there's – there's I mean, I'm just getting this solely off Twitter, so take it as whatever you want. But apparently, there's a rumor that the reason why Sam Sonoff wasn't the starter, because as you had alluded to earlier in the season – um, on the podcast that they are kind of going the 1A, 1B kind of methods, like back-to-back games, and the Keith wasn't breaking from that. I don't know if he was on the podcast or that was just while we were watching the least game. Either way, you had mentioned it to me. And then he broke that with the Matt Murray back-to-back games. And apparently the reason why he didn't start Samsonov was because Samsonov got beat too many times in Florida. Like they thought that he, quote-unquote, like he played bad, I guess, and they, quote-unquote, had his in number. Florida? Yeah, like in the playoffs. Like when Florida beat on Washington. Oh. Okay. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I actually think I forgot to mention that entirely. I apologize for that. So Florida and Washington playing the last last year's playoffs. I think Washington was up two two nothing or something like that, and Florida came back and won. 
Uh, and Samsonov was the goalie that they consistently were beating, which is part of the reason why they ditched him. Uh, obviously, had something to prove last night or two nights ago because uh, when he came in, he made that sweet stop on Carter Verhage. Remember when he slid all the way across with his yeah. pad and like flipped it up at the last second? Like he played, uh, I think, exceptionally well. He is the the confirmed one hundred percent confirmed starter right now uh, for tonight. And as we talk on this for a second. The only difference I see to the lineup is actually there's no difference besides Samsonov or Sandy comes back uh, for Connor Timmins. Sam Dean, Sam Dean is in the lineup tonight. And on the power play, Sam Dean and Lilligren are taking a spot two on power play two, like uh, the defensive spot. Other than that, let's continue rolling with this conversation. Just want to update you all on that. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely was impressed. And we kind of mentioned that last night was, or the other night was like, uh, at this point, if, if Murray plays at a 905 save percentage and kind of just has those decent games like he had against Boston. Like, I mean, he, we ended up losing, but he still played exceptionally well. Uh, and Sam Sonoff can just bear most of the weight. Then that'd be nice. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that it's Matt Murray's net because he's got the contract, which could very well be bought out this year because they would only be paying him for basically over the course of probably three years. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I mean, yeah, he has a big the buy-in or no, the that it's Matt Murray's net. Oh, I agree with that. Like, I, mean, I, I, I agree just, with you on that. Just because he has the bigger contract, obviously, I guess people would assume that that means that he should be playing because you don't want three million sitting on the bench. But if he's going to play that crap, then it doesn't matter what his contract is, he's going to be sitting on the bench. But I said to you the other day, I said to you the other day when we were watching when they pulled Murray and they put Samsonov in, is that so far this season, it seems like Matt Murray's better on the road and Samsonov's better at home. So it it just, it didn't make sense to me why, obviously that's probably not going to continue for the whole season, but by chance if it does. Like, so if you play 41 home games and 41 road games, and three months into the season, you saw this pattern of Murray being better away from, like away from home on the road, and and Samsonov being better in the, um, in the at home. Then why wouldn't you just play Samsonov at home games and Matt Murray on road games? I agree. If you that. want, if you, you already said you're going to try to do a traditional split, then once that pattern emerged, you think they would have just been like, yeah, Murray's playing road games, Samsonov's playing, um, home games. Unless there's like a stretch of like five, six straight road games, then obviously maybe Samsonov would play one of them, but and vice versa for home games with Murray playing. But I don't know. I guess maybe they just don't want that pattern to break because if Samsonov only plays home games, then obviously him being better at home might not be lasting. Same with Murray on the road. But at this point, I just feel like that'd be an obvious thing to do because they are playing well in those respective uh, games. Uh, Yeah, I. I agree. I think I part of it to me is like they're trying to go with the back to back to back like switching because they don't want a goalie to lose consistency. And both goalies have had injury problems and both goalies need the day of rest, Matt Murray more than Sam Sonoff. But I feel like in Shelly's mind it's more if Matt Murray plays like if they play three games a week, Matt Murray would play two and then one and then two, then one. You know what I mean? Like I think that to him provides him more consistency so he can I, I mean, he has been fairly consistent. There, there's been a stretch of period where he's been consistently, uh, not I wouldn't say bad, but consistently average. 
and then there's been seats parts where he's been obviously like one of the best boys in the league. Um, so overall, when he's on the stretches of games, he's been consistent within that, but his consistency all year has now dropped into, you know what I mean? What's, what streak is he going to be in? And I think that Keith's trying to counteract that by letting him play every other game. But at this point, it's like, I just want to see some personally, like, I think I hope it's Samson off because like, I, not that I don't like Matt Murray. It's just, I like Samson off better, but I would like to see Samson off hopefully try and go on a run. And I think that this is the time he's playing tonight. If he plays, say he gets a shutout, hopefully they play him on Saturday against Montreal. You know what I mean? He, he only lets one goal and hopefully they, they, you know, give him a little bit of time, but I feel like it's going to be Matt Murray on Monday or sorry, uh, Saturday against Montreal, regardless of how Samson plays tonight, which kind of pisses me off. Yeah. Uh, just quick here. I just pulled it up on Cat Friendly. Anyone can use this. We don't pay for anything, obviously, like Cat Friendly is a website. But all the functions on here are, are just – it's just crazy cool how um, how they work. So I just went to the buy-on calculator and just put Matt Murray in. It says Matt Murray's buy-on has a span of two years. The cost is $5.3 million with savings at 2.6. Matt Murray is 29 years of age in this uh, at the time of this buy-on, so therefore the buy-on ratio is two, to th- uh, two of three. Um with eight hundred or eight million dollars in salary remaining, the cost is five point three, and savings is two point six. Uh, buy-on span uh, is two length, uh, two years in length uh, for the remaining year because it is a one year. Or sorry, uh, two years in length based on the one remaining year um, in the contract. And so then, basically, because he's twenty five percent retained by Ottawa, Ottawa would pay just under a million dollars at eight nine five, uh, and then Toronto would pay six uh, six eight seven uh, this year or sorry next year and two point six. Uh, I should actually say this six hundred eighty-seven thousand. I don't know why I said six eight seven, uh, and then two million dollars the next year uh, for the seventy-five percent. So maybe that's why they won't buy him out because um, obviously that's two million dollars off twenty twenty-four, twenty-four, twenty-five, which obviously we know is Matt Matthews and Mar- uh, and Nylander's contract extension year when the contract would come into play. Yeah. So maybe the buyout isn't feasible. They could try and trade him to a team. I heard today, actually I heard it on Saturday, I guess, but I listened to a podcast today that said Vomelka might be available and that basically um, the one person that was saying it was saying that he expects like 29 or 28 to 29 teams to be interested in Vomelka. I was just thinking in my head, like, could you imagine if Toronto was able to pull off Vomelka who makes like $3 million for the next two years for Matt Murray? Like, not that Toronto's going to get rid of Matt Murray at all, but could you imagine if they did that? Like Kyle Dubas would be fleecing the Arizona Coyotes yet again. I mean, I guess maybe as if he's in a backup role, but like I don't actually think Vishmoke is that good. No, but I mean, like if he if he and Samsonov, like Samsonov, like they would they would I think that'd be a good tandem because both of them can go on long stretches of runs, and I feel like Matt Murray is more like a he was brought in to be the guy, so it's going to be harder for them to put Samsonov onto a run. I feel like if yeah. they brought Valmelka, it would be like $3 million each, and they would just basically go on stretches of play, you know? I, but I do agree. I think the reason why his numbers are inflated is because Arizona faces a lot of shots. So, like, they're giving up, like, 40 shots a game, and if he only lets three goals in, his save percentage is going to obviously be better, you know what I mean, than someone who lets three goals in on 16 shots. Would it be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think – yeah, obviously it would. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It just – to me, it just seems like even on like fantasy, like the guy's like one of the, I have him in fantasy and he's just like a, a bona fide point getter because like, or I, I, I shouldn't say bona fide actually, but in general, he's just like a, a great point getter because he, he faces like 50 shots a night. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, you're right. I don't think he's necessarily that good, but I wouldn't say no to having him if 
that was the goalie of the future for Toronto. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he could well, probably true, establish himself. If Matt Murray can play a similar game, like number or whatever wise, then yeah, you may have Vejmelka longer or Vejmelka, whatever the hell his name is. But like next year, would that really matter if Matt Murray's going to well, have Well, technically, you wouldn't have him longer because I think they're both signed on two year deals. So yeah, you're right. You're 100% right on that. I thought you said you'd have, I thought you said you'd have him three years. Uh, did I? I think he only has a two year contract. Maybe he has three years. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, you're right. Basically, I, I would agree with you 100%. Like, I, I'm not saying Matt Murray's a bust or get rid of him. I just thought it was interesting when it popped in my mind. Like, could you imagine if Toronto was able to fleece Colorado, Arizona yet again? Um, Although, to, to, to just to touch quickly, I guess maybe dumping Murray, if you can work on a deal to bring in a goalie who makes less, because Sam Sonoff also needs a contract. So if Sam Sonoff's mm-hmm. going to want three, four million next year, plus Matt Murray's, whatever he makes, five or something, right? Yeah. Um, having yeah, that Matt Murray makes four point two million decrease. Yeah. Having that almost $2 million decrease from Murray to whoever you bring in, if it is a Mocha or whatever, that would might make more sense because, the, like I said, if the sound is the same, then I guess it really doesn't matter who's there as long as Sam Sonoff keeps his game going. Well, I, I want to hit you with this idea really quick, and then uh, we'll touch on the officiating, and then we'll go into an ad break and then the rest. But um, I heard on the radio today, I, I literally just popped on the radio because the weather was getting bad and I wanted to see what was going on. And it just happened to be on sports radio. And the guy was talking about how Connor or not Connor Brown, Zach Hyman signed $5.25 million with, with, Ed, with Edmonton for five years or four years, whatever. Toronto let him go because they said he couldn't afford him. So he was a quote unquote cap casualty right now. He's sitting 17th in the, in the league tied with both Matthews and Nylander in points, I believe. Um, he makes five point two five. You know what contracts you could have given up to get him? There's two people True. that instantly came to mind right now. I, ju- I just want to throw this out there though, that so far this season, Toronto, besides maybe Nylander, their offense hasn't really been running on the level uh, that it should be running. I know, but I'm, I'm not saying Whereas, just based on points. I'm just saying in general, like Zach Hyman was a uh, was a Mitch Marner for Toronto. Like he was like a, a play in every situation. But I'm just asking, like, based on contracts right now, what two players in Toronto could you have given up to sign, bring back Zach Hyman? Well, yeah, Kerfoot and Hall. Yeah, and Kerfoot's playing on the last line right now. But, but, but that Justin was my Hall point, is... though, is that, that Zach Hyman seems the better player, even if he can play in all the this season, because of how well Edmonton's offense is. I feel like if he well, was stay in Toronto, he wouldn't have been – as proficient as he has become in Edmonton simply because he wasn't that role in Toronto. Yeah. If he was playing on Austin Matthews line last year, I think he would have got like 70, 80 points. Uh, I don't know. Just bunting because, didn't. well, Bunting got 69, didn't he? Or 63. So almost yeah, 70. Okay, but I don't, but I also don't, Zach, I, Hyman, I don't... Zach Hyman plays on the penalty kill. Michael Bunting doesn't. I'm not saying anything bad. Like I'm not saying like this isn't a no, massive yeah, situation. I'm just saying. I just. I'm just saying. I don't feel like if Bunting or Bunting Hyman would have stayed in Toronto instead of going to Edmonton, I don't feel like he would have been putting up as many points as he as he is in Edmonton simply because so far what we've seen anyway is 
besides this year's Toronto's offense isn't necessarily running at full tilt while Edmonton's is running over what everybody expected. When you have yeah, McDavid and, on pace for 170 points or whatever. And, well, yeah. And the, other three, the other three guys on pace were like 120. But in my mind, this was the thought that I had. I instantly thought of uh, Kerfoot and Bunting, or Kerfoot and Hall. One, Hall is just not worth $2.5 million in the NHL. But the other thing I was thinking was, not that Kerfoot's not uh, a unicorn for Toronto because he plays in all situations. He literally last year played in all but one position for the team. Uh, he's useful. He, 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 he does whatever he needs to do. But how would it? How easy would it be to fill a last line role, like a last line center role? Like you could insert Toronto has like four guys in the minors who could fill that role right now. Exactly. Even if it's free agency, like there's a rumor that they're interested in Noel Char in the offseason. There's a rumor that they're interested in. They could have kept Travis Boyd. Like there's rumors that they're interested in Sam Ghani in the offseason. Like insert whomever in that lineup or in that in that spot right there. You 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 realistically could have had Michael Bunting play say second line or or first line depending. And Zach Hyman play on the first or second line, depending. And you would have had two similar style players with the, the digging and the go for pucks. And then it, then you wouldn't have had to worry so much about having that vacancy in your top six. You know what I mean? And I'm not yeah. saying that I don't like Toronto's team now because I think as we go every year, we go on, the team just keeps seeming to get progressively better because they're actually utilizing players from Myers. And I just think like Pontus Holmberg on the last line, Camp, Bars, Marner, or Matthews, you didn't really need Kerfoot. Yeah, I just two things. I feel like that second, and I've said this before on the podcast, that second line digger should be um, Zach, not Zach Osnerys. Zach Osnerys? Yeah. No. Yeah, Zach Osnerys. Yeah, right? Zach Osnerys. Yeah. Should be Zach Osnerys. Like he's, he's shown this year that he can contribute, he does fill that role nicely. He's just on a line that it doesn't really matter because their whole point of that line is just keep the puck in the other team's zone. Where if he was doing it on the line with Marner and Tavares, it, I think it would be beneficial to them because then you'd have Bunting doing it with Matthews Nylander and him doing it with Tavares Marner. Yeah. And another thing is I like I like Kerfoot, but I, I hate and not this isn't just you, but I've seen all the time is like people saying how he's not irreplaceable, but kind of like he needs to be on the team because he is that unicorn who can play up and down the lineup. But then if you actually watch, like he doesn't actually do anything. Like whether he's on the top line playing with Matthews or Marner, he's on the second line, whatever the third line or last line. He never really adjusts. Like if he's playing with Matthews and Marner, he's not putting up points. Yeah. If he's playing with Tavares, he's not putting up points. He's playing in the third line. He may be better defensively, but like he just plays the same way on every line. And people just continuously gloss over that because he can play on every line. Yeah, I agree with that. It's not like he plays third line, but then when he moves up to play first line, he's matching Marner and Matthews, or Mar- uh, Matthews and Nylander in point production. Yeah. Then goes back down to the third line and goes back into that role he was playing before. He goes up to the first line at certain points of the game and just continues to play the same game he played on the third line. So he's, I don't really think he's that much of a unicorn. He's just a guy they know that they have they rely on to move up because then it's not going to yeah. be overbearing. Like if they move Wayne Simmons up to play eighteen minutes a game, like people are going to be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Well, those are the type of players that people call calf friendly. Like and GMs will call them calf friendly because they can play more than one position, so you get your money's worth. But in Kerfoot's case, he's not like he's not he's not Chandler Stevenson who's putting up sixty points a year playing all positions. You know. Yeah. Okay, one quick thing on the offici- officiating of the game. 
the game, the least game surgeons for men's, we're obviously going to go over that. That's fine with me. Uh, I'll quickly bang off a, a super quick uh, betting segment, and then we'll get into the Riley, the Proveroff, the week ahead in close. Uh, so your thoughts on the officiating, I personally think it was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was pretty much garbage. Um, I figured Especially out the, the situation with the stick. The Lugan? Yeah, so basically a player is not allowed to pass the goaltender's stick. They're not allowed to shove the stick. No. The goal, they can apparently, allegedly by the rule, they can pick up the stick and pass it to the goaltender, but they're not allowed to push the stick with their stick to the goaltender. So they put Sam Bennett in the box because they initially thought he did it. Lilligren went off to start. The reason why they put Lilligren in the box is because when they conjugated and they talked, I guess they assumed Lilligren was going to the box because of the situation because he like went to the box because of the stick thing. But he actually thought he was going to the box because he interrupted the stick being passed. It was actually Pierre Ingball who should have got the penalty on Toronto. Yeah. So similar think, to what happened with Casper Cabin, remember that year when he like played the broken stick? Oh yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. But Pierre Ingball got away scot free. Lilligren went to the box for no reason and the NHL was embarrassed because they pulled a guy out of the penalty box. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest well, I mean, one of my biggest problems with that is one, they never really explained what the penalty was for. I think they called it interference which yeah. didn't make sense to anybody, including the commentators who were just as baffled as the fans of what was going on because it's such an obscure rule that it's never called. Yeah. And two, well, another one is they got the wrong guy. If you're going to pull Sam Bay out of the box, at least put the right guy in there. Exactly. Three, Actually, if that's the rule... Jeff... Pardon? If that's the rule, then technically Sam Bennett also should have gotten a penalty because he also yeah. pushed the stick away. Yeah, so uh, Jeff, that's how Jeff Merrick broke it down. He also talked a little bit about um, the Sam Bennett situation and how technically, if you want to get right down to the rule, it should have been offsetting minors involved for pushing the stick and Sam Bennett for them pushing it away. But I guess the way that someone explained to him was the NHL or the player, or sorry, the refs could have seen that as that he was pushing the stick on the way because he was going to slip on it. But at the same time, then that argument could have been said for Pierre Engvall. So I'm not sure exactly if that's the validity of that, but it does make sense as to why um, Sam Bennett got pushed up right on the box and then the uh, assumption that it was Lilligren, that's why he went to the box first because he thought he interfered with Sam Bennett, but it was actually a stick infraction. So it just it's still confusing, but it makes a little bit more sense as to what they were thinking. Uh, yeah. Still embarrassing. That's, I think that's dumb. Unless it's like a broken stick, you should be able to knock the stick back to your teammates, even if it is the goalie. Oh, I think a goalie of all people. Especially in because... that play where the puck was already coming out of the zone. Yeah. Do you, remember, the at least. do you remember a couple of years when a uh, years ago when Mitch, or Austin Matthews like flicked the stick up to the to his teammate? Right off the ice? Yeah. Why wasn't that a penalty? Yeah. I think like, maybe this, this one just specifically is seen applied this... to goalie sticks. Okay, okay, that that could make sense because like the only other time I've seen like a player play a stick on the ice was Casper Kapanen when he like slap shot the stick on the zone when Boston, I think they were playing Boston in the playoffs or whatever. But like awesome, I just flicked the stick up to Mitch Marner, whomever it was. He caught it and then, or Morgan Riley, he caught it and then kept going. That wasn't a penalty, yeah. but I think it was because technically Florida had pressure. I guess like they had possession of the puck in the offensive zone seems very confusing nevertheless we kind of got down to the nuts and bolts of why it was called it was still embarrassing as well as the i personally think it should have been penalized just based on the on the um 
the circumstance in the game, but a lot of people are saying the Raku Gudas penalty isn't actually a penalty because he you can't charge the guy when you're chasing him, which is bull, bullshit to be honest. Because charging is just more than three steps, you so can't you can. The guy when you're chasing him. Uh, um, but regardless of the situation, it was the I think that was the right call based on how the game was going, because like Raku Gudas hip checked Ingval. Then wouldn't answer the bell to to Zach Aston Reese, which a lot of people think is a smart penalty because they're up at the time, which it ended up being dumb. Um, and then when Zach Aston Reese came out in the penalty box and had a rush, he got absolutely destroyed into the or to the post of the of the Bobrovsky's crease. Like that's to me that was like he obviously knew who who it was that he was hitting, chasing him down. So I think it was just an, an intention. Like he intentionally tried to hurt the person, which I mean, like I guess you could argue basically every buy check is an intent to, but like that was a, a to me that was like a he was intentionally going out of his way to, uh like cause bodily harm. Like if that was Zach Ashton Reese's head, he probably would have had a concussion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, in, in my opinion, if that's, if that maybe not in the playoffs, isn't that maybe that's not called or maybe nine times out of 10, but based on the circumstances of the game, I think that should have been called a penalty. So those were the two that I noticed that a lot of people were talking about as well as the Mitch Martin interference. Oh yeah. yeah. When they just got tangled up and yeah. Yeah. That was kind of pathetic too. Another uh, absolutely embarrassing uh, call. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me just bang off a quick ad read here. Uh, sorry, uh, betting segment. You will hear the ad reads. So write down the promo code THPN. Um, I don't know. Kyle had like a 15 minute ad read last week. So I don't remember any of the teams he picked. I know that he picked uh, the Bucks over the Cowboys, and the Cowboys did win. So uh, he didn't go perfect, obviously. Uh, I'm, mine are just going to quickly pretty, be the two. Pardon me. I'm pretty sure he also picked the Vikings over the Giants, and that one was wrong. Yeah, yeah, that is true. He did. Uh, mine's just going to be quick. Uh, the four playoff games this week in the NFL, and the two games tomorrow in the NHL, and then uh, we'll be back. I'm just going to tell you who I would pick and the betting line that is there, uh, and we will uh, come back to you, finish off this podcast, and go enjoy a nice hockey game. Uh, so again, write down the promo code THPN and win some money. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57, and for the NFL divisional rounds, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at even bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. One game that I'm going to be checking out this weekend is the Bengals-Bills. I personally think that Joe Burrow and the Bengals will come out on top. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Use New customers can bet just $5 on NFL divisional rounds and get $200 in free bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See notes for details. All right, I think this will work. You hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, uh, perfect. So uh, this week's playing segment presented by Mua. Uh, we got the Jags and Chiefs uh, in the Saturday game. Uh, game. I don't know. I'm not a big football fan, so just bear with me. Uh, they've got the Jags being the 
underdogs at plus 350. I'm obviously, I mean, no, no brainer pick the Chiefs in that one. That game starts at 4:30 on Saturday at 8:15. Uh, we got the Giants and Eagles. Uh, I think the music stopped. Just give me one second. Uh, we got the Giants and Eagles, and I'm personally would I would bet on the Giants just based on playoff history. Apparently, they're a good underdog team. Um, they're plus 200. Most people have bet the Eagles in that one. I think uh, the Eagles were the best in the league. Uh, Sunday at three o'clock, we got the Bengals and the Bulls. Bengals are probably. I know it's recency guys, but I, I what I say Bulls, sorry, Bills. Yeah. Uh, Joe Bur- Burrow is probably my favorite quarterback in the NFL. Recency bias, I understand. He just likes story too. So I'm going to pick the Bengals, who are plus 250. A lot of people pick the Bills, but I'm just tired of seeing them around. Uh, and at 6.30, we've got the Cowboys and the 49ers, which Scott, correct me on this, but if I'm wrong, they are big, uh, heavy like rivals, or used to have a rival in the playoffs, no? Pretty sure in the 90s they had a small rivalry yeah. in the Troy so, Jerry Rice era. The no-brainer would be to pick the 49ers. I would also go with that at 6.30 on Sunday. I would pick the 49ers beat the Cowboys. But if you do pick the Cowboys, that's plus 170. Um, so just quickly here, so if you do bet those four teams, it'll be plus 2166. On the betting slip on a full part, uh, four game parlay, uh, only on DraftKings. So if you bet five dollars, we'll put five dollars, and I'll tell you how much you could win. Five dollars would pay you one hundred and thirty or thirteen dollars. Uh, and then quickly, just super quick, there's two four games for tomorrow. We got the Ottawa Senators and Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm gonna pick Ottawa just based on that they just beat on Pittsburgh the other day. They're plus one thirty five. And then uh, Colorado Vancouver at seven or at ten o'clock. I'm going to pick Colorado on that one because why the heck not? So if you bet this whole thing today, you'd be getting a uh, plus eight forty eight plus eight hundred eight thousand four hundred fifty three. So you'll be getting a five dollar bet pays you four hundred twenty seven dollars. You're welcome if you win some money. Um, and that is all for the betting segment. So remember, only on DraftKings, put THPN in there and win some cash. You can also boost these bets. Um, and also, depending on the day, if you wake up Sunday morning and you want to place a bet, there will be an NFL-specific uh, where it's the two teams, or Saturday or Sunday, depending if there's the two teams, and you can bet on them uh, with boosted odds. So I think Scott – yeah, Scott just uh, messaged me saying we're going to go straight to the Proveroff stuff, and we'll get to some other uh, topics next week. Scott, I'm going to hand this one over to you. Uh, you're better at this kind of stuff than I am, so take her away. Yeah, so on Wednesday, it was revealed that because the NHL every year for the last couple of years, at least, I think, has done a pride night where the warm-up before the games, they have special jerseys in honor to show solidarity with the, the LGBTQ plus community to show that hockey is a welcoming sport and and everybody is welcome to play it. Uh, However, Ivan Provorov, who is a defenseman for the Flyers, obviously if if you listen to this podcast, you're a hockey fan, so you know that, um, refused to partake, quoting his uh, religious beliefs that because his religious beliefs, he he wouldn't support the LGBTQ plus community, uh, which caused a bit of an uproar amongst fans of both hockey and supporters of the community and the social movement. Um, and yeah, so people have kind of been jumping on that 
to to call him out for it out of hypocrisy or just a stupid uh, stupidity, stupid decision that he made because, um, yeah, it was just dumb. It was just a dumb thing to do. I mean, uh, there's also been people who are also been people who have been supporting him, but uh, it's his decision. You got to live with it. But yeah, this is perfect. I'm just going to step in here for a second. So people say that it's his right to choose if he doesn't want to take part in it. Keep in mind, these jerseys weren't any different besides the number. The number was in uh, pride colors uh, to support the LGBTQ plus uh, community. The other thing is I haven't figured it out. I haven't been able to do the research, but. I'm not 100% sure because they've had uh, like five five of these or four of these last the last four or five seasons. I'm not sure if he's worn them because he's been on their team every year. So keep that in mind. Uh, but if you have the right to choose what you want or choose what you believe, you are open to the right to be judged. And that is the biggest issue I find with how society works. It's like he chooses to not do it. He says, this is my stance on it. The, the Philadelphia Flyers say, fine, you go tell the media what your choices are and why they are. And then John Tortorella, and he said no, apparently. And John Tortorella said, fine, I'll do it. And then he ended up getting being made available by the team to the media, which only answered one question. It was the most, to be honest, he was just a straight dick about it. Um, but if you're going to cite religious beliefs as to why you can't um, support this, then you have the right to be judged. Like we have the right to judge you. You, you open yourself up for judgment. Good, bad, a good or bad judgment, whatever. But you still have the right to be, or we still have the right to judge you. And if you, in my personal opinion, if you can't handle that, then do you, like in that situation, then I would think that you shouldn't have that. Um, not maybe not opinion, but you shouldn't have the the platform to speak up if you can't handle the fact that you're going to say something that's going to go against millions upon millions, and I guess millions upon millions will support you, but the pe- people who won't support you are going to be ripping on you. They're going to be judging you hard including members of the NHL. Now, there's another a couple additional things into the story. Apparently, this was made available, rumor is, up to two days before the night uh, from Philly. And Philly spent the last two, apparently the last two days before that night uh, with lawyers trying to figure out a way to suspend him. But with the NHLPA uh, and the NHL contract and CBA, there's actually no rule that he, that he didn't break anything because Angel leaves it up to player discretion. I saw an interesting thing. I think it was Ellie Freeman that asked this. If it was military night and, say, Austin Matthews did decline to wear the military jersey, would people be saying the same thing? Because the people who typically support the military typically don't support LGBTQ+. So would the reaction be the same? Uh, no. Well, I mean... Amongst those people, it wouldn't. But amongst other people, like it, it would, it would be the same. Only it would be the reverse side, I think, where the people who are are up in a like a mad or or upset about what he did would be throwing the other people's words back at them by saying like it's his decision. What are you doing? And then it would be the people who are saying it's his decision. What are you doing? Are the ones who would say you have to support the military no matter what. So I think there would still be a bit of an uproar. It would just be reverse of what the uproar is now. The sides would be flipped. And the only other thing about that is the LGBTQ plus community doesn't uh, pay for that to happen. The military apparently pays the NHL to, um, yeah, to have that's a night the, for That's the an American thing because that's ridiculous. 
Yep. So uh, apparently the military in general, I guess, yeah, in, in America, I guess, I don't know if Canada does this, but apparently the military will basically give money to the angel and to to wear the jerseys and have the military appreciation night. Toronto does do the military appreciation night. I think they do a military appreciation night for a soldier pretty much every Saturday, I believe it is. I think John Tavares caps that. The other important thing about this, there's, there's three players that stand out in mind, and, and Scott, I want to ask you why these players stand out in mind. So one is Scott Lawton, two is JVR, James Henry's like former leaf, and three is Tony D'Angelo. Why do you think those three players stand out? Tony D'Angelo one seems pretty obvious based on the criticism yeah, that happened. I, I, I don't know. Okay, well, but, Scott Long has like... D'Angelo being a like past history of being racist or discriminatory towards minorities. I, I don't know, JVR and Scott Long, why are they... So, J- JVR is like the head, the head um, uh, I guess the quarterback of this event. Like, he basically works, works in the community for these uh, initiatives and basically supports and tries to focuses support on the LGBTQ plus uh, community. Scott Lawton apparently has like six openly, uh, he said gay. Um, I don't know exactly their sexuality, but he said gay. So we'll say six or five or six openly, uh, openly gay family members who, why is why he's like the co quarterback in that situation with James and room like, so, so I think it stung the locker room because these players try so hard to get this community feeling involved into the initiative. Excuse me, and then one player says no. The other thing is, every other player on the team said yes to wearing this, and that includes Tony D'Angelo, who, like, a lot of people are saying now, Ivan Provorov is basically damaged goods. Like, most teams won't want him because of this, because of the the issues that he puts on the locker room because of this. But if Tony D'Angelo, I'm not saying he's changed or anything like that, but it it, it would have been ultra bad for him to say no, and the fact that he said yes, no one's talked about this, but it's like you got to give him a little bit of credit because he could also said no based on his personal beliefs if he doesn't support that community, but he didn't. He just, even if he doesn't support that community or he does, he just shut up and put on the Jersey. You know what I mean? Well, so maybe it was the a, fact that he also has a history of this kind of would have been a decision for him. No, exactly. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, of that kind of treatment of minorities and other sexual orientations and whatnot. So him saying, all right, saying no, would have caused an even bigger uproar in the media. Exactly. So but that's, right that's the thing is like, in the past, he didn't seem to care about that. No, you know I'm not saying he cared now. I'm just saying he cared more about the the, the view of the media. Exactly. That's that's my that was my point. It's like he obviously cares a little bit more that he had to sit on for basically a whole year because of his career was looking like it was going to the KHL. He obviously cares enough to uh, not have that happen again uh, because the media would have just probably ripped him apart. But yeah, in terms of Ivan Provorov, he's stating that he's Russian Orthodox. Uh, apparently in the Russian Orthodox religion, and I don't know, I'm not Russian, so I don't know, but uh, from people that I've I've seen on Twitter say that the Russian Orthodox religion only doesn't support gay people if you are personally gay. It, it inhibits you from quote-unquote being gay. Uh, but you, it doesn't say anything about supporting a family member or a cousin or a sister or a brother or whatever to be gay. Like I don't know how those two correlate, but uh, basically it doesn't allow you to be gay, but you're allowed to support like it doesn't say anything about not supporting the gay community so i don't know exactly how those two work and coincide but um yeah apparently russian orthodox is his religion which again i want to find out the track record on how many times he's actually said no to this and the other apparently the other night that he said no to was 
wearing the Ukrainian patch after the war started with Russia and Ukraine, which personally that just kind of pisses me off in general because like people are dying for no reason. And just because you're from there, it means that you can't put on a, on a patch. So that's yeah. just kind of shows the type of person that he is really, which is also brings me back to my final point, Scott, which I said to you this the other day, I said this to you, sorry, the other day was he is in the midst of all this trade talk. He wants out. He hasn't formally asked for a trade, but he's openly told the media that he would like a new place to play. What better way to get a new place to play than basically making your teammates hate you? Because Scott Lawton and JVR talked after the game about how disappointing it was. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and I I feel like even if he is, like the people saying he's not going to be wanted by other teams, that's not true. Yeah, he's going to Edmonton. Angelo, uh, what's his face? Evander Kane. Vancouver. What's his face there that was drafted by Montreal? They were all still oh, drafted. They were all still yeah. able to play. So there'll be some team that will be like, uh, he's going to learn from his past mistakes, yada, 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 bullshit that they always spew when someone makes a stupid comment towards race or religion or, or sexuality and maybe not religion, but sexuality and race or against minorities. And then they'll be like, he's being put through some kind of um, mentoring or testing or schooling to, to become more socially aware of his his surroundings and the people involved and he's learning from his mistakes. And then three weeks later, he'll do the same thing. And everybody will be like, Oh, they lied. And yeah. then everybody else will be like, yep, yeah, that's, that's because they lied. It's not and a shot. That's going to be the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton needs yeah. a defenseman and they need a number one defenseman. And his draft stock or his trade stock probably came down a lot because even if Tron was interested in him, Kyle Dubas won't acquire him now. So like, there's lots right. of teams like that. So Edmonton just, Seems like a no-brainer because they take on players all the time who basically have bad pass. Yeah, my two points on this now. And these are probably the two points that always make me... I mean, one of them is specific to this incident and one of them is kind of overarching. But they always make me mad when these kind of incidents or these stories break. And one is the you have to to accept his beliefs. You have to accept his, his opinion. His Like, no, you don't. The whole point of Pride Night was to show that hockey, which has been shown in the past and recently in massive amounts of stories, is not inclusive as everybody pretended it was. There's there's skeletons in the closet of of every level of hockey around the world. And the NHL was trying to show that they're taking steps away from those by trying to make hockey more socially acceptable for every walk of life, for every minority, for every person. I mean, besides maybe the professional level where women aren't allowed to play, but like minor hockey, junior hockey, whatever, you could be gay, you could be bisexual, you could be transgender, you could be a woman, and you still would be accepted into the community. And for him to come out and say, I don't agree with that because of my religion, because of my country, is incredibly dumb. Um, Put on the jersey, even if you don't agree with it, even if you don't believe it, put the jersey on. Get around the ice for three seconds, go to the locker room, take it off because the message is better than what you believe. Showing that hockey is inclusive, is for everybody, is better, is more important than what your religion tells you. And if you don't agree with that, then that's too bad. But that's 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 the truth. For people to say that that's his religion, that's his way of thinking, that's his view, and you have to accept it, is dumb because they're all. By saying that, they're automatically canceling out the opinion of all the LGBTQ plus people who can't play hockey 
because they know they would be made fun of, they'd be ridiculed, they'd be hazed, they'd be living a life where they would become miserable because every day they were on the team, it would be constant mockery. So by saying his religion is more important than their life or their way of life or their sexuality is incredibly dumb. And the other thing, and this is the overarching one that comes every time something happens in the world of sports is keep politics out of sports. And it's the dumbest point. And it's always the, if you want to equate to Americans, the mega in Canada, the trucker convoy, far right, Pierre Polivet people. Um, like that's dumb. Politics and sports, and we've mentioned this on the podcast before, politics and sports have gone hand in hand since the invention of sports. The very first Olympics in Greece, Jesse Owens in Germany, Maurice Richard fighting discrimination, discrimination against French Canadians in the NHL. Every minority, Willie O'Ree, Jackie Robinson, who broke the color barrier coming into baseball, coming into hockey, coming into football, coming into basketball. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, bringing Muhammad Ali. Every decade, every era of sports has had political undertones, political concepts intertwined with the main themes of the sport. So for people to say, because they don't agree with gay people or lesbian people or trans people, to say keep politics out of sport, then that goes back to how come you honor the military? That's politics. You can throw your religion in people's faces. That has some undertones of politics. You can get mad when people kneel during the national anthem. But then when someone comes out and disrespects actual people and not an ideal that most people don't even agree with around the world, you get mad. Like, that's, that's dumb. That's just them not wanting to accept the fact that those people are real, their lives are valid, their sexuality is valid. It's not some made-up myth of people pretending that they're women when they're men or men when they're women. Like, it's an actual, an actual thing that people need to start accepting, and it's getting really annoying that they're throwing it in the face of everybody as not being real, as a political agenda being pushed to, to cause wokeness around the world. The world's always been woke. I hate to tell you. Social justice movements, overthrowing demo- or monarchies, overthrowing dictators. The world's always been woke. And the freaking, the, con- the new thing of, of misinformation on the internet where the, the wokeness is a socialist, capitalist, communist dictatorship, those are all different things. You can't have all four at once. So it just, it's irritating when something that should, should have always been a part of the sport, that shouldn't have even been, had to have been brought to the attention of everybody, or accepting gay people, accepting trans people into the hockey community, always should have happened. Is now being forced to to admit that it's not a political agenda. It's just trying to make hockey more welcoming, because people are morons and they can't accept the fact that those people are real and those people exist. Well, if you true. sit there and you get mad at trans people, you get mad at gay people, you get mad at bisexuals, you get mad at anybody who's part of the LGBTQ plus two community, and you get mad at it, but then you watch the news and crooked uh, politicians and all that are running the world governments and you're fully in support of them you have your priorities backwards you are literally have your part you you were raised wrong because there's never a moment in life where someone's well-being someone whatever makes them happy should be less important than listening to donald trump talk listening to a corrupt dictator 
spew nonsense about the world and everybody believes it propaganda yada 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 like that should never be more important and just because you don't want to hear it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be a part of it because going back to my original point politics and sports have always gone hand in hand people just choose to throw that out there now because of what the politics is about they don't agree with much like when jackie robinson was breaking into baseball people didn't agree with that much of the same stuff was said back then that's being said now about lgbtq plus or trans people, or any of the other 100-year-old scientific validated concepts that are now being pushed to the forefront of the news because people can't have a problem accepting them. It's getting ridiculous. Like, it, it, in no way, shape, or form is it ever harming your life. If there's a person on the other side of the world who's gay, if there's a person over a town from you that's transsexual, that's bisexual, that's transgender, that's thinks they're a cat. How is that affecting your life in any way? You're never going to interact with those people ever. So why would you, why would it matter? Let them live their lives. Let them be happy and accept the fact that those people are in the world. That's it. Scott. With the deep hidden stuff, but yeah, pretty much in all honesty, uh, I don't even know how to. We'll just leave it at what Scott said because he hit everything basically to a T. So I'm not even gonna try. Um, yeah, and and with that, I think that's uh, we're gonna quickly go into the week ahead, and that's a wrap. Yep. All right. So we got we got Winnipeg tonight. Uh, the game's already on. So uh, I mean, we're gonna go watch it. Um, this is gonna be on tomorrow, so it really doesn't matter when I what I say. Uh, Saturday we have Montreal. Monday we have the Islanders, and Wednesday we have the Rangers. Then Friday, which will obviously be in the next pod, we have the Ottawa Senators. Toronto doesn't play this Saturday, but they play Friday and Saturday or Friday and Sunday instead. Uh, I don't know exactly if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm still going to. Um, if you ever go on to the Least Talk Forever Twitter page and you ever just go to my link, uh, there will be some articles coming out. I would appreciate some views. Um, there'll be some articles out uh, about Charles' trade deadline, and obviously we're going to do a trade deadline special on the pod. So, uh, yeah, just basically uh, view those articles and listen to our podcast and subscribe to our uh, social media accounts and have a good week. Thanks. Thanks.